Well, good morning. Good morning and welcome to St. Stephen's, those that are here in person, but those that have joined us uh, through the live stream, but also are perhaps watching later through the recorded archive. Thank you so much for being here and being part of worship at St. Stephen's. As we prepare to read God's word this morning, we're going to join together in a prayer for illumination, asking God to give us grace that we might hear the, the word that God has for each of us today. So let us pray. God of fig trees and foxes, of today and tomorrow, we would like to ask you to scoop us up. Pick us up like a great gust of wind. Startle us awake like a first love. Light a fire in us like tomorrow depends on today. Do all of this to get our attention and then turn us toward you. We are a scattered people, O oh God. The world is moving faster than we can keep up. So we pray, scoop us up, catch our eye, open our ears, capture our attention. We are here, longing to be close to you. Amen. Our first reading comes from the Hebrew Scriptures, from the prophet Isaiah in the 55th chapter. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, in your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he might have mercy on them and to be our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And then from the Gospel of Luke in the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 9. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He said to them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way that they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. 
or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, fig tree and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As a child, I grew up in Virginia Beach in the Allenton subdivision on Cooper Road. And in our backyard was a beautiful, beautiful plum tree with deep, deep purple leaves. That tree grew and grew and grew during my childhood and and offered more and more shade over a slate patio, which kind of doubled as a basketball court, as, as bad as a basketball court a slate patio could be. As the oldest of three children, I have two younger sisters, I was assigned to keep the grass cut back between those large pieces of slate. And this was a time long before the weed eater was invented or mass produced. And my assigned cutting tool was a set of rather dull hand clippers. You know, I think I'm still trying to get over some of those blisters from that never-ending summer assignment. As that plum tree grew and grew, it produced some amazing, tasty fruit. But the problem was we were in constant competition with Japanese beetles over who would get to eat it. The beetles also knew the sweetness of that fruit, and the expert evangelists that they were, the beetles would tell their friends and their family, and those beetles would tell their friends and their families, and so on and so on. And there was always this great congregation vying for those tasty plums. But what a treat it was if you could get your hands on one that hadn't been spoiled by the Japanese beetles, those beautiful, purple, tasty plums. They were a favorite fruit of mine as a child. That is, until I tasted my very first fig. My father was an internist cardiologist, and he had a patient who would regularly bring him fresh figs and fig preserves. And there was nothing more sweet or tasty to my palate than those sweet, sweet figs and preserves. Even the most best-tasting plum just paled in comparison. One fig thinly uh, spread over a, a golden piece of toast was an amazing, amazing taste treat. It was a special dessert in the Robertson household. 
Now Jesus must have known the sweetness of figs. Because today he tells a story about a fig tree growing in the middle of a vineyard. And a vineyard owner's frustration over its failure to produce figs. Repeatedly and continually the owner looked for fruit for three years. The the owner must have longed for those sweet figs. See here, for three years, he says, I have been looking for fruit from this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? The owner wants to know why he should wait any longer. How long is long enough? How long is long enough to wait in line at the post office or at the doctor's office for an elevator or for a plumber or the cable guy to show up, for your boyfriend to propose? How about before going swimming after eating to announce in a pregnancy? That's a tough one, isn't it? How about to retire? How about for figs? How long is enough? The vineyard owner says three years is long enough. Cut it down. The owner is ready to cut his losses, to reallocate his land in his investment. It's a good business practice to do so, isn't it, periodically? Any investment analysis and Uh, will tell us, advisor will tell us that this is something that we should be doing from time to time. But the gardener in the story knows that good things sometimes take time. The owner seems to see something, I'm sorry, the gardener seems to see something that the owner just can't see. The gardener tells the owner to put down his axe And to let him kneel beside the fig tree. To take his shovel to work. To care for the soil. To mix in manure and to prepare it for fruitfulness. The gardener knew that some things are worth waiting for. And it takes time. Such as growing figs. Learning to read learning how to do complicated math or developing as a Christian. The gardener tells the owner not to give up on the slow-to-fruit fig tree. And he commits himself to a year of shoveling manure to care and to not give up. Like the fig tree, Each of you are worthy. You are important to your God. You are not a lost cause. You're not a waste of resources. You deserve an audacious hope. You deserve to be nurtured. Your fruit will come. And just like the gardener, you too are invited to see others with an audacious hope and a budding potential. The story of the fig tree invites us to unpack the source 
of our worth from a system and a society that measures worthiness by production and output and success, status, achievement, ethnicity, and or sexual orientation. We might ask ourselves, can the fig tree have worth even if it never produces figs? And what does it mean if the answer is yes? Yes, it can. What if we are to value such things as Jesus did, such countercultural things and practices as patience and nurture and an audacious hope? What if we understood that these things are the kind of practices that you and I need for expansive living? Soil was a premium in Israel. And it was not unusual for a vineyard owner to give a little bit of soil to a fruit tree. But this tree took up the best soil, the deepest soil. It required the most water. And something else that I learned this week was that a fig tree didn't grow and produce figs until at least three years. So the owner in our story hardly gives the fig tree enough time to bear fruit. Yet he is ready to cut it down because it's wasting the soil. God had given the Israelites the choicest ground. Their their land possessed everything necessary to make them a great nation, indeed a light to all the nations. They were strategically positioned to send fruit the fruit of God north and south and east and west. But instead, infighting continued to make them a worthless fruit tree. But like the gardener, God was was committed to never give up. This is part of what Isaiah, I believe, means when he speaks on God's behalf. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's an important lesson in life to never give up. To never give up on yourself. To never give up on others. This is a message that the church must receive and proclaim, never give up. It's a message that we should, that should shape our lives and in our interactions with others. You are worthy, you are enough, you are loved by God just as you are. And all of scripture is a record of how God never, 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 ever gave up. Adam and Eve, they disobeyed the very first rule, but God never gave up. Abraham wandered and Sarah laughed, but God never gave up. Moses hid and shook with fear, but God never gave up. 
And we're going to have some fun tomorrow night on Zoom as we dive into our first 16 chapters of of Exodus as we talk about Moses and, and his development as a leader of Israel. And I invite you to be part of that discussion as well. The people rejected God and they wanted a king just like all the other kingdoms. But God never gave up. King Saul went insane. But God never gave up. I want you to join with me in this. But God never gave up. David plotted against Uriah, but God never gave up. Ahaz sold out to Assyria, but God never gave up. Jonah fled to Nineveh, but God never gave up. You can do it. I know you can. You can do it better than that. Come on now. Israel fell into pieces, but God never gave up. There you go. Thank you. Praise the Lord. The Jewish people became exiles, but God never gave up. John the Baptist was beheaded, but God never gave up. Peter denied that he knew Jesus. But God never gave up. The disciples, they all ran away. But God never gave up. They thought Jesus was dead. But God never gave up. Many of us experience the world as a fig tree in the midst of grapevines. We're placed in fields not meant for us, and yet we're expected to thrive. People discount and doubt us, threatening to cut us down. We don't produce in the ways that we have been defined in, in all, on our behalf as the ways that we should bear fruit, and we're called to be destroyed. But the Jesus story of the fig tree reminds us that the world's expectations do not need to be ours. That we don't have to give up on ourselves, and we don't have to give up on others. The gardener puts his faith in that which he has no control. Think about that. For a year he commits to get down on his hands and his knees and to dig into the soil and to spread the manure and try to help that fig tree reach its potential. The gardener is determined to nurture and tend to the tree with everything it needs to grow into its purpose. And perhaps that purpose was to bear figs, but maybe not. Maybe it was to provide branches for shade and homes for other creatures of God. Today, today God offers us, you and I, an invitation. An invitation to be nurtured, and to be tended, so in time we and others may grow into our purposes. God has not given up on me and on you. And people with power are reminded to reimagine how the world works and how their complicity and earthly systems and measurements 
how it can work against the people like you and I from having the opportunity to thrive. Still others, still others bend low to provide nurture to others, to walk in solidarity with others, trusting that intentional care will lead to new life, to new life and new possibilities as we invest, you and I, and the church in a fruitful creation. I would like to close this morning in a poem titled Worthy Not Waste by Reverend Melissa Hinnon. Mission and ministry are messy. Getting down in the dirt, breathing pungent odors of fertilizing manure, negotiating with those who demand easy profit, envisioning a future filled with hope, all the while valuing God's living creation, especially tending to those who feel planted without a sense of belonging, like a figless tree growing in a vineyard. Worthy, not waste. Strong roots, faithfully anchored. Branches provide a resting place for a joyful choir. Leaves offer shelter from harsh realities. Waiting patiently alongside. Trusting in the promise of fruitful bounty. One more year. The sweetest reward is yet to come. Amen.